Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Goodness gracious, Tata, it's Sunday afternoon again. Yes. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I cannot complain. Sitting by the river, it's kind of windy, but what a beautiful day. Oh, it is. It's beautiful. Well, friend, we're back, and it's Sunday afternoon, and Tata and I are sitting by the river, so that can only mean one thing. It's Tuesdays with Tata. Amen. <laughs> well, how are you doing today, Tata? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. It's uh, been a busy few weeks, but man, we're, uh, we're blessed and enjoying the little bit cooler weather. You know what I heard this morning about 4 o'clock in the morning? What? A whole bunch of geese rolled in. Uh, yeah, I heard that, but I, 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 I couldn't see them. Because it was still dark. The geese are beginning their move back to the south for the winter. So in a few weeks here, we'll have thousands and thousands of geese in the river. The swallows are here now. Swallows are everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Thousands, probably probably 20,000 or more of them went by last night. I would think so. For an hour, all we could see was swallows. The dogs were fascinated. <laughs> yeah, they, they couldn't even bark. That's right. Well, Tata, last week... I told you there were three things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. We covered we covered one of them last yeah. week, the yes. high places. But another one was this idea of the, the father's teeth. The fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. What in the world does that mean? Well, that's why I, 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 the, the, where I did my study was in Ezekiel 18. And uh, bear in mind now, Ezekiel is a, is a prophet and that the Lord was speaking to him. And so I would like to just, I'm sharing with you verses one through four. And the word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Yep. What do you mean? He, he asked the question, what do you mean? And then, and he, and, but he'll go on, and I'll come back to that some more, but... Uh, as we look at that, remember last week we talked about uh, when the people came to Samuel in 1 Samuel 8. Yeah. They, uh, and then the elders came later to him. And this, this, what they said was so interesting to me. And, and this is 1 Samuel 8, and um, beginning in verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Mm-hmm. 
So is that the, does that mean the same thing? The blame game. Yep. Blaming somebody else. And where did it start? It started in the garden. Yep, it did. Started in the Garden of Eden because one of the things that occurred was that when the Lord walked in the garden in the cool of the day, he, he recognized that the, he did not see Adam and Eve and he asked, where are you? That's right. And Adam said, we, we were naked, so we hid from you. How did That's you, right. and God asked the one question, how did you know you were naked? Have you eaten of the fruit that I told you not to? That's right. And I don't know, I don't recall what the answer was, but anyway, this is, this is how it, how it went in Genesis 3. The man said, the woman you gave me. <laughs> so he blamed not only the woman, but he blamed God. Blamed God, that's right. And that's what the, the, the genesis of this proverb was, that, that <clears throat> back in Exodus and Deuteronomy, there was a, God had, had made it clear that sometimes the father's sins would be visited on the children to the third and fourth generation. And, and that wasn't meaning that God was going to directly punish your children for your sin, but what it meant was what? Sort of a generational Gen curse. Yes, it would be passed on. Just like if, one of the, if the father was rebellious, and the son became rebellious because of him. That's right. And that, that, that went past through the generations. That's right. And we've talked a lot about that before, this idea of generational curses don't mean that there's some kind of witchcraft on your family, but it does mean that the things that you do as a parent easily rub off on your children. That's and the correct. sin patterns that you have and the way a child is raised up in a home obviously influences the way that person thinks and behaves and it's very clear in alcoholism and in, and in physical and emotional abuse that in people who are raised in those homes have a very high incidence of repeating those same That's problems right. in their own yeah. lives. And most people who are abusive to other people were abused by their parents. And that's a form of what God was talking about, how yeah. if you have a sin, it's likely that that's going to persist in your family right. throughout. Or sometimes if there's a void... We have a tendency to fill the void in. To fill the void with something else. That's, that's right. right. And so that's what we're getting at here when Ezekiel says to the people, hey, you guys are going around saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes, but it's the children's teeth that have been set on edge. Yeah, that's right. And, and another, <laughs> another version of that proverb was the fathers ate, the parents ate sour grapes and the children got the sour taste. Yes. Yeah. And so what were we seeing culturally, what was happening here, Tata, in the people that Ezekiel was trying to address. Yeah, well, the, the blame game. They had, each each person was responsible responsible for their own action, their own actions. But see, even in back in Genesis, the, then the woman even blamed the serpent. That's right. So Eve blamed the serpent. Uh, Adam blamed God and blamed his wife. Hmm. Everybody's blaming somebody. That's right. No one took accountability. That's right. But listen to what God says. Back, I'm back in uh, Ezekiel 18. Um, the question is, uh, what God said, The word of the Lord came to me. Now, what do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, God said that. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no longer but you be used by you in Israel. That's right. He said, don't stop. God said, stop it. Don't say it anymore. That's right. Don't, 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 don't propagate it. Because God said, he went on to say in verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine. 
the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul, the soul who sins shall die. Yeah. So God, God made it very clear at that point that he did not want that people passing that on and, and right. get, blaming somebody else for what they did. That's right. And he, he, and, and he makes this interesting comment. He, God says, all souls are mine. All souls are mine. Oh, that is prof- that's a profound statement. Of it. It's a profound picture in my mind that God said that early on, that all souls are mine. Yeah. They're all mine. They're his. Wow. We belong to him and he belongs to us. That's right. That's what you say in your prayer all the time. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And then God goes on in, in Ezekiel 18 to explain even more that, in detail about the Father who lives righteously or lives, is made right with God himself, that he's going to be responsible for himself and his son will be responsible for himself as well. That's right. But then again, he goes on to explain if the Father becomes sinful and the, and the son does, does not, the Father is responsible and the son is not. That's right. Or, or, and then he goes on to explain it in even greater detail because he's, if, the, if the Father is righteous and the Son is sinful, is the Father responsible for the Son? No. no. Every soul or every person is responsible and accountable for themselves. That's right. They can't blame anything, their own misdeeds on somebody else or something else. That's right. This, uh, the reason I asked you to talk about this today, Tata, is because I think it... It ties in a little bit to what we talked about last week with culture and the influence of culture on our society and on, our, on us as individuals and even seeping into the church. And in a couple of weeks, uh, I think October 14th, I'm going to have Annie, uh, I'm going to have uh, Elisa Childers on the show to talk about her new book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. And, and it's this whole idea about how we're, we're trying to assimilate into the culture. We're trying to blame other people and other other races or other genders on our problems. We're trying we're trying That's to right. we're trying to pass the buck of our own behavior. And the fact is, God says it plainly: you're responsible for your own life. That's right. And so, it's not just Ezekiel, but also it's in Jeremiah, where Jeremiah in, in twenty nine Jeremiah twenty nine he says the same thing. In those days, he's prophesying. In those days, people will no longer say. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children have had their teeth set on edge. And the chapter, chapter 32, is this prophecy that Jeremiah is telling the people, you're going to go back, you've been in exile, and God's getting ready to deliver you back to Israel, and you get to be responsible for your own life at that point. You're no longer, you've been in exile because your parents sinned. Now you're going to go back and have the land to yourself again, and you're responsible for your own success and your own holiness and your own behavior. That's right. And I love that verse is, is all about, friend, just this idea that you might very well have inherited your basic personality and your worldview and all those things from your parents. You may very well have had a tendency to be verbally abusive or a bias towards being physical, excessively physical, or to, to drink to cover your problems or any of those things. But the bottom line is, at some point in your life, once you understand that a particular thing is harmful to you or sinful or harmful to other people, you have a responsibility to make it right. You can't blame your parents for it. 
That's right. If you have the capacity to change it. That's right. Because you have the capacity yeah. to change it. Yeah. Because God yeah. says, you can't say anymore that your dad's the one that drank the sour grapes and I, yeah, <laughs> my teeth are burning yeah. up. Because well, and, and God makes it even plainer. In, in verse uh, 32 of uh, Ezekiel 18, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone. That's right. Declares the Lord. The, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Turn and live. That's, uh, that's exactly what he wants for each of us. He wants each of us to be responsible for our own lives, to acknowledge our need for him, our, our need for, for, for forgiveness and our desire for repentance. And, and, and we're not even necessarily, this doesn't even just apply to sin. It can apply really to any sort of problem or issue in your life, even if it's not necessarily sinful. If you, if you continue to struggle with something and your baseline thought is, well, I'm just this way because that's how my parents were. Yes. Or I feel this way or I act this way because my dad did that to me or my uncle did that to me or my mom did that to me. Then at some point, you've got to make a decision. We talked about this this morning in the newsletter about anxiety and kind of living anxiety as a lifestyle that many mm -hmm. of us do. At some point, you have to either choose to keep it or choose to change it. Right. Because if you choose not to get rid of something or you choose not to change something, you are making a choice to keep that thing That's in your right. life. That's right. And so the, the whole point, and I'm so glad that you brought Ezekiel into it, Tata, but the reason I asked you to do this is because I feel like there's a, a big problem in our society right now where we say, well, I, I can't help that I'm this because you know, 200 years ago, yeah. this group did that to my group. Or, yeah. or I can't help that I'm this way because my uncle did something bad to me when I was 12. And that's terrible and it's wrong. But at some point, if you recognize that you have something broken in you because of something that happened to you, you need to get help. Right. You're not stuck with that. You can change that's it. Right. And there's all kinds of resources and people available to you to help you change those broken parts of you. And the best one is God. That's the right. best one is the, the healer. The, the physician who wants to help you set you free from the things that have been holding you in prison in your life. That's right. Well, and I don't understand it, but because it happened, it happened in, in my lifetime in our culture uh, that the, the majority of, it seems like the majority, I don't know, maybe they're the most vocal uh, group or people have, have turned their eyes inward as opposed to looking up. That's right. And, and they, 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 they keep talking about what they feel, what they need, what they want, and what they want to do. That's right. Well, that's this pervasive influence on, of progressivism in our, in, our, in our church. And progressivism, well, Christianity is about trying to make yourself more and more like Christ. That's right. And progressivism is trying to more and more perfect yourself as a person and to more and more perfect society. It's a platonic idea from yeah. Plato. It's the idea that we need to keep getting better at being people. Yeah. And Christ says you need to keep trying to get more like me. Mm -hmm. And those two things are opposite worldviews. And, and, and Christians opposites. cannot be about perfecting the self. They have to be about dying to self. That's right. And if you're stuck on looking inward and saying, I want this, I need that, I feel this, I'm this way because, mm -hmm. you'll never be more like Christ. No. Because Christ says, when you die to, to sin, yeah. you live, you're born again, and you're like me now. Well, he said it very simply. I, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. That's right. And that's a different 
approach altogether. That's right. And it's not, not, not something that's looked upon with admiration in our right. society today. That's right. He came as, as God into flesh to make himself nothing so we could have something. That's right. So we could have everything. He, he came not to be made much of, even though he was the king of kings and lord of lords. Right. And his example to us is not of trying to grab everything we can get, because mm -hmm. YOLO, you only live once, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, no, it's not that. It's try to serve more, give more. Paul says, outdo one another in showing That's love right. and affection. Yeah, right? That's right. Run, run in front of them. That's right. Well, the whole, the whole, the whole point is still this. Uh, don't blame others for your own misdeeds or your own sins or your own behavior, but, and don't blame something. Don't blame yourself. That's right. Decide that you're going to change how you are. Right. And you're going to decide that you're going to look to God to see how to do that. That's right. Because he provided the pattern. That's right. He provided the rules and regulations and he made the covenant. And the Apostle Paul said that, that, they, that God, his covenants and his recommendation, his, his, his memory is irrevocable. Irrevocable. That's right. He can't change his mind. That's right. He won't change his That's mind. That's right. And let me just say this to be clear, friend, because there's somebody listening right now and you're getting, you're, you're perhaps getting the idea that we're talking about sin and judgment and damnation and we're not. Like the reason we're talking about this today is because we want you to be free. That's right. We want you to be at peace. We want you to have joy and passion and purpose and happiness and hope in your life. And you can't have it if you're unwilling or unable to see where the issues in your life come from. That's right. If you, if you think you're a slave to some pattern or addiction or behavior or, or if you think you're entitled to continue something because somebody else did something in the past... Mm -hmm or somebody raised you a certain way, then you'll never be free. Mm -hmm. You'll never be able to close your eyes at night and know that you did your best that day and that God made up the rest. That's right. You just won't. Well, and, and the other, the, another, another point to be made is that when the people started looking out, they saw the other nations had kings, and, and, they, and, and I don't know what the thought process, process was, but they decided that they wanted to be like everybody else. That's right. And so God said, okay, you Have want a way. king? Yeah. You got a king. Mm -hmm. But here's what he's going to do to you. Yeah, and he was right. So the whole point is this. It still comes back to we, de we decide. That's right. We have to decide. That's right. We have to, we have to make the decision that we're going to follow our Lord. That's right. And not, not something else. That's right. And you'll know the truth. If you're willing to, to say, hey, I recognize that I've got this issue. And I recognize that I got it because I was raised in a household where this happened all the time. Then you can say, I don't want to live that way anymore. No, that's right. And God, will you please break that chain off of me? Mm -hmm. And Jesus, what he promises, take my yoke upon you. Right. My yoke is easy and my that's burden right. is light. Friend, the stuff you're carrying... The stuff you feel like is holding you back and weighing you down and it seems impossible to shed, Jesus said, I will take that mm -hmm. from you and I'll give you something easier. And it goes back to what we talked about before. The, the water He gives us leaves us not thirsty anymore and the food He gives us leaves us not hungry anymore. And I just challenge you, anything that you're pursuing in your life that you, that you think you need or you think defines you in some way or that you'll be happier when you get that thing, does it really ever satisfy you? Mm -hmm. 
And if it doesn't, then you need to ask yourself the question, like, what is it that I really want? Yeah. And I promise you that what Jesus offers you is better than the thing that you think you really want. And, 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 the, and the last point is that, that God made it very clear. Listen to what he says. As I live, God said that, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. That's right. He's saying quit it. Like, That's right. Stop it. Knock it out. Yeah. Stop <laughs> blaming your parents. Stop blaming me for punishing you for something your parents did because I'm not doing that. That's right. That's what he says. This Jeremiah 29, or Jeremiah um, 32 rather, is an incredibly hopeful chapter because it starts off with him saying, at that time, when he's talking about sending the people out of exile and back into to Israel, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they will be my people. They will survive the sword and find favor in the wilderness, and I will come to give rest to them. He's saying, I loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And here, friend, if you feel broken down and beaten up by your life, listen to what God says right here in verse 4. And I will build you up again. You will be rebuilt Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out and dance with the joyful. <laughs> Isn't that right. beautiful? It and is. He goes on just over and over. He's saying, I'm going to fix this problem. You, your parents did this, and that led you into exile. They're going to come weeping, and they will pray as I bring them back, and I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am their father. He goes over and over, you will shout for joy. I will give you new wine and grain and olive oil and flocks and herds, and you'll be like a well-watered garden. Yeah. And friend, you will sorrow no more. That's right. Amen. That's what happens when you stop thinking that everything that happens in your life is somebody else's fault, and you're willing to say, God, I want what you got for me. That's right. I want that. I want to be more like you and less like me. And he's going to do it. That's right. Said he would. He would. He promised. That's right. He made a covenant. So my dad may have eaten sour grapes. My dad didn't. But somebody's <laughs> dad may have eaten sour grapes. But our teeth don't have to be set on no, edge anymore, don't. do they, Tato? No, We're going to brush our teeth, aren't we? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and when should we start? We start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarnmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.